You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I am your host, Casey Corbin. Thank you for joining us today. I am excited that you've joined in and uh, listening to this episode. It's going to be a fun episode. I've got a great guest lined up. But before we get to him, let me just remind you to check out all of our socials, if you're not out there already. On the Twitter, we are TNWPod. On Instagram, we are at Talking Wrestling Podcast. And on the Gmail, we are at uh, Talking Wrestling at gmail.com. Tell us how the show's going, or if you have any ideas for the show that might make it better. We're open to hearing all suggestions. Also, uh, don't forget about to read, uh, rate, view, subscribe on the iTunes, as well as if you uh, leave a five star uh, rating and a favorable review, we will send you a postcard of a wrestler from the 80s. We have about 25 postcards left out of the 35 so uh, wrestlers are getting crappier and crappier as the selection's going don't get stuck with a Von Eric that's not here around anymore that's all I'm saying is you want something better than that maybe you want an Abdullah the Butcher maybe you want a Greg the Hammer Valentine maybe you even want gorgeous Jimmy Garvin with Precious the original Precious you can get these these postcards are still available so uh, folks uh, get those uh, ratings and reviews in and we appreciate it and by the way canada america has like nine reviews and you guys have four canada so don't let the women in like beat us like and they did in hockey right now canada is losing to america i know there's a difference in population density but canada come on step up let's get some reviews in let's get some postcards out i'm sending all these postcards to america and it's costing me more money god damn it canada step up all right now with that said uh i've got a great guest today and uh, a good friend of mine for a long time. He hosted many shows. Uh, he's a podcast now on iTunes, uh, which I've been on, but I'm currently drawing a blank on it, but he'll tell us in a second. Uh, that's how prepared I am. Folks, a uh, good friend of mine, a comedian, actor, podcaster, producer, uh, good buddy of mine, Dave Martin's in the Never Sleeps Network studio. Thanks for joining me, Dave. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, what is the name of your podcast again? The name of the podcast is The no wrong answers comedy podcast oh so the, when i went to give the uh, answer of what the podcast was i actually gave the wrong answer which was no answer that is what you did yeah no answer no is answer the wrong is answer. technically a wrong answer yeah, yeah. But I guess supposedly, I guess suppose addressing anything incorrectly would be a wrong answer. But these are all questions that I would ask. Uh, I usually get, I get three comics and I throw out questions. They're all sort of just uh, opinion based, sort of a what would you rather do sort of scenario kind of questions. And uh, then we just have fun answering them. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like when I was on, I was on with um, Pete Johansson and Kathleen McGee, two uh, very fabulous, talented comedians. And it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was good. Uh, I just, uh, like, I did a radio show with uh, Darren Frost on Sirius XM for, like, uh, about four years. And, and yeah. you, know, you were on that show. And I got kind of, frankly, just tired of just asking comedians questions about comedy. Yeah. And uh, and there's just so many podcasts out about that in the first place. So it's, I just wanted to get, uh, you know, like the CBC show, The Debaters, just a different forum for comedians to be funny in mm-hmm. rather than just talking about their acts and comedy and uh, what's your worst road gig and things like that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. That's why, that's why I love this idea because I was at a show uh, on Saturday and a guy came up to me and uh, and he actually, well, I guess, I don't know how he found out that I was a wrestling fan, but then he actually asked me, I didn't know so many, are there, he actually said, are there a lot of comedians that are wrestling fans? And I was like, holy shit, you have no idea. Yeah. Like John Stewart's a wrestling fan. Daniel Tosh is a wrestling fan. Jimmy Fallon's a wrestling Jimmy fan. Jimmy Fan, Tony Hart. Yeah, wrestling. Kevin Hart right now owes his career to The Rock. The Rock is like carrying him through all these huge movies that are way better than what Kevin Hart can do on his own. Oh, for sure. For sure. Jumanji, number one movie in Egypt's history. Do you know how long their history goes? (laughs) Well, I just saw The Rock is actually doing... um uh, the movie Rampage. Yes. Based off the video game. I know. Which was one of my favorite video games of all time. And people are upset. And he's like, wait till you see it before you say how bad it is. How, what, what, it's what not going to be bad. What could people be upset about? Just the idea that it's about a video game? Look it. People are upset that The Rock's new movie, which is a skyscraper movie, they're saying it's a ripoff of Die Hard. I was like, uh, I don't recall Bruce Willis not having one leg. Yeah. Because Rock has one leg in this movie. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I just watched that trailer the other day. Yeah. But and I one love- legs can be awesome. My friend in high school, he had one leg and he lost it to cancer, like actual cancer. But the best thing about the leg was you could fit a 26er in the calf. Yeah. And for every school dance, because nobody going to make him take off his leg. That's humiliating. <laughs> so we everywhere we went, we always had a 26er of uh, rum. Because that was the way, that was his drink of choice, and that's what went in his calf. Yeah, and then that would magically become your drink of choice, too. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, the only, it's the only 26 that's been snuck into the dance, or the well, movie, or the bar. I also love that, it, I mean, it's a high school dance. I mean, it's not like it's a Judas Priest concert or, a, or like an ACDC concert where things can, some shit can go down. Actually, it was an ACDC concert <laughs> because that was his favorite band and his favorite song. They played it at his funeral was Have a Drink on Me. Oh. Yeah, they played that at his funeral. Oh. So, 27 died. That's the age of all the greats go, right? I guess, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Rock music-wise. Yeah. I love the, uh, was that one wrestler, Zach Gowan? Yeah. Who had the fake leg? Who had one leg. Who yeah. had one leg. And I remember it was, uh, uh, who's it? It was it Chuck Palumbo and Roddy Piper were doing a, uh, I guess when they did the big reveal that Zach Gowan had. One uh, leg. One leg. Yeah. And then Roddy Piper ripped the leg off. Mm-hmm. And there was that old part of me from like the old 14-year-old me inside. It was just like, if that was the old Piper, he'd beat him with that leg. Well, do you not remember? There was a card where Mad Dog Vachon, yeah. who had one leg, right? Uh, he was there. And Kevin Nash was f- fighting in the match. And at one point, he went and shoved Mad Dog down and took his leg off and then beat the guy in the ring with Mad Dog Vachon's prosthetic leg. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, and I thought that was great. There is a famous one-legged wrestler that nobody knows about. Kerry Von Erich lost his bottom half of his leg, the Texas Tornado, in in a motorbike accident, and he wrestled with a prosthetic 
like his whole time in the WWE, he only had one leg. And you look at his matches, and they're spectacular. Yeah, he used to leave his boots. Nobody, but he didn't tell anybody about his prosthetic. But they would know because he would shower with his boots and knee pads on. Mm-hmm. That's so bizarre. Yeah, that, that would set off. But it was arms. like you know, well, no, because they don't want to see that this leg is a screw off, you right. know, or you know, a strap on. I don't know, like. Most of them were strap-ins or strap-ons, right? So yeah, I don't, know, at least I don't for, know what the term is. Well, my grandfather and my friend had them, so they're, you know, screw-ons. I don't think that... that Screw-ons are like uh, action figures. Yeah, uh, yeah, or the... the, the what were those old models, the, the, the snap kit ones? Yeah. You would just snap them together. Um, now, what, what uh, was your first memory of memory? Uh, what was your first memory of memories? Your first memory of all the memories of wrestling. <laughs> what was that? I was about two years old, and I fell down a flight of stairs, <laughs> and I had a cookie in my hand. I was more upset about that than the injury from the fall down the stairs. Now, I think my first... Um, geez, my first memory of wrestling was, I, I'm trying to think it cause, um, I guess I suppose just watching on like, just watching it on TV and I didn't grow up in a house where my dad wasn't a sports fan and my uncle wasn't a sports fan. I didn't have any family members mm. that were sports fans at all. So it's like that. I mean, you know how like, uh, cause I think most kids start following sports because their uncle or older brother or somebody gets watching it, it yeah. watching it. And they're, you know, and most kids just want to sit on the couch with whoever that is and watch whatever they're watching. Yeah. And then eventually they just get into it and they're sort of like, Oh, cool. And so they keep following along with it, but I had none of that growing up. And I think I just found on TV one day, it was Maple Leaf gardens wrestling. Cause they used to have that one, just one camera shot. And it would just be a wide shot of the ring. And it was a direct, just no edits at all uh, from Maple Leaf Gardens. And I think they did the same thing from Cops Coliseum. Yeah. And then there was the Superstars that was on a Buffalo channel. Mm -hmm. I just started watching and I just got hooked because I loved, you know, I loved violent action movies. Yeah. And I just loved the, uh, you know, it's the old Tommy Dreamer thing, the old ballet of violence. Yeah. I don't know if that was Tommy Dreamer who said that or Jesse Ventura, but... I just I got I got hooked because I like the the showmanship of it and I love the violence of it and uh, it took a long time for me to accept that it was all a work. Yeah, I mean, and I had a lot of like I remember my dad telling me, "Ah, oh, this is all fake." I mean, look how he's kicking the guy. And then there were moments I was like, "No, it's not. It's real. It's still real to me." Yeah, I, mean, I, I always talk about that. Like, it bothers me when like kids like wrestling and then the parent that doesn't like wrestling or somebody that doesn't like wrestling has to come in and tell them it's not fake right they don't do that with santa claus no you're like oh you you know like all of a sudden their you know their friend comes over who doesn't like santa claus and he's <laughs> like hey you know that's fake right yeah the kids the kids are like well the idea should be yeah but i still like getting presents yeah yeah i still like watching it like you know, nobody's going, everybody's cra- going nuts for Black Panther right now, but nobody's going, you know, it's fake, right? Well, like, there's no actual Black Panther. Well, I know. And it was the same thing with, like, uh, whenever someone would point out that, uh, like, some woman had fake breasts. So, we'd be like, yeah, but they still look great. I don't care if they're fake or not. You no. Know? I, like, I mean, yeah. The, the, you know, that dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look pretty real. And I know I know that they're fake. So, don't. Uh, they're don't fake lose. now. Yeah, but you know, Dep- well, depending on what religion you are, they can be fake or they can be fake at one time. You yeah, know? Uh, yeah, I, I know there's some people that believe that you know <laughs> that there were people and dinosaurs 
dinosaurs hanging around together at one oh, point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're called the Flintstones. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that documentary that Sarah Palin told me about, the Flintstones. But then I remember going, like, uh, I remember being upset as a kid because all these kids at school were going to baseball games and hockey games. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad taking me to a hockey, uh, to a baseball game once. And my, ba- my dad basically just, like, he was a, a, a teacher at U of T. And so... My dad basically just brought all this, all this, these textbooks and, <laughs> and homework. So he was just working while the baseball game was going on, and I didn't clearly, and I didn't give a shit. I just thought, oh well, I'm a kid. Baseball is something I'm supposed to like. And then I, then I quickly was like, well, why am I caring about this game that I don't give a shit about? And then I, so then I was sort of like, oh wow, because then I would watch. Oh, wrestling's coming to Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. I live there, and I remember, uh, I think it was '87. I started going to matches at Maple Leaf Gardens, and the one that stands out the most is uh, I still tell people. And the one time I met Roddy Piper at the the XM Studios, I mm-hmm. told him about this match, and I, I mean he clearly didn't remember it, but it was uh, Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper uh, versus Paul Orndorff and Adrian Adonis. Yeah, Orndorff and Adrian Adonis came out first, and then Hogan came out, and Hogan did the big finger point to the uh, backstage and then then piper came out second and uh man i I know people always talk about like electricity in a room and i was so young but uh i just it was you could feel it in the air with nothing beats hulkamania in the 80s if you were there for it live it was like the beatles for wrestling yeah and as great as the rocks pops and stone cold's pops were through the attitude era they still don't compare to Hulk Hogan and, you know, 80% children going absolute bananas for him. Yeah. Because I know, because I was there. Well, also, I went to... Did you go to the big event, the one that was at... No, uh, I was not there. I was at a show. My first WWF wrestling show was called the Hulkamania Tour, was in 86, and I have the ticket stub still, and it's August, uh, I think it was August 26th, yeah. whereas um, the big event was like the 29th or something. The big event was two days later, Okay, and it was an amalgamation of both circuits, the A and B circuit, because they sold out 70,000 people for a house show. What I saw was Hogan and uh, Randy Macho Man Savage in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and what they got was Hogan and Orndorff, right. which made way more sense because that feud was just heating up because, you know, as we all know, Orndorff and Hogan had a misunderstanding because one guy was in the gym and wouldn't answer his phone. Okay. That's what it was over. Like, oh, he really? didn't take the phone call from the other guy. Yeah. So, it's two muscle heads, and, that was, and that's why Orndorff attacked Hogan. You know, and pile drived him and then started coming out to Real American. And that was crazy because before that happened, I was already working on my my poster, yeah, which was Hulk Hogan, the only Real American. And then all this happens. I'm like, oh, my God, it looks like I'm so current. I'm yeah. so now. And I had Hogan standing in front of the American flag and said, Hulk Hogan, the only Real American. I spent a week working on it. I think it's on the, if you get the first wrestling album, um, the one where they do A Land of a Thousand Dances is the first They song. say it's the song from Mike Rotunda and right. Barry Windham. Yeah. And then you just know, like, and you have, you only get a grasp of like the whole back, you know, the behind the scenes politics now that, that the whole kayfabe is broken. But, um, like that when you, you could just tell, you know, now that like Hogan went in there, it was just like, Hey, let me tell you, brother, that's going to be my song from now on. That real American, that's the one for me. Yeah. Or and Vince was just like, well, okay, okay, pal. Okay. Or, or some, or maybe Vince said, uh, Hulkster, uh, 
I, the Tigers, costing us too much. They want to charge us now, this band Survivor. So we're going to have to go back to the instrumental version from your cartoon. Yeah. Or we can break up Rotunda and Wyndham because they're leaving anyways, and we can give you their song. You know, because Kurt Angle's song was used by Mark Henry and the Patriot before him. Oh really? I didn't. I don't. I don't remember that. Yeah, the, oh. they all use the same American. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun. The uh, I just uh, that was. I remember like because, and then like the more I started paying attention to wrestling, the more there were sort of like little moments where it was just like, well, that seems kind of weird. Why would that? And then like just the whole like the switching of the songs, like Hogan getting real American, even yeah. though on the tape it said this, and and there were just like little bits and there were moments where I was just like, oh, maybe this isn't completely legit, but I still wanted I still wanted to hold I how I held out for the longest time. And well, then, Ken Reed said he knew it wasn't legit when the wrestling album came out. Uh, Sportsnet's Ken Reed, who has uh, been on the show, and then he said this on the show. He goes, "I knew because they made a video for Land of a Thousand Dances, and yeah, they had them both on both sides, but nobody was in between them. How come these guys aren't fighting, and why are they all singing together?" Well, I, that was another thing too. I remember on the front cover of the first wrestling album, it shows them all in studio, mm-hmm. and and I remember looking at it as a kid, going like. How is that even possible? Why are they all attacking each other? It would just be a bloodbath in there. Yeah. And then me and, too. Yeah. And I was just like, this is this just something doesn't seem right. You know, it was like it was like kind of like the JFK conspiracy theory of just like ah, something doesn't seem right about this. You know, I, I just remember. Yeah, I remember looking at the, that album cover and just says like, that's kind of weird. I love that album, by the way. Uh, I played the heck out of it, and then one day I uh, left it in the back of my dad's car window. And it got warped. That and the Rocky Forest soundtrack. Uh. One of the worst days of my life. <laughs> I was so devastated. All I could do was put the album covers up on my wall as right. posters. Yeah. But, Not you know, like, uh, all I could hear is, you know, Roddy Piper saying to me after I fucked up, you know, don't be such a yo-yo, you know. Such a yo-yo. Which was my favorite line out of the entire Land of a Thousand Dances. Oh, when we were talking before about um, uh, Piper uh, beating the Zach Gowan with his own leg, I remember there was like in that one match from, what was it, WrestleMania, where it was Piper versus Brett. I remember myself and a bunch of friends, because I guess Piper was a, was he a, fa- a, a face at that point? They were both faces. They were both faces. And mm-hmm. I remember there was a one part where Piper had the bell yes. in his hand, and he kind of looks out in the crowd. And when you watch, the, and you know that it, it was supposed to like, Piper was sort of like, okay, we're gonna, I'll hold the bell, and um, and then the crowd's gonna tell, it's gonna give me a big, don't hit Brett with the bell, and but if you look out in the crowd, there's people who are cheering, yeah, hit him with the bell, mm-hmm. and I remember as a kid, and my other friends at the time were just sort of like, if that was the old Piper, he would have hit him with the belt. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, because that whole thing was, uh, you know, like Brett was like, I would have had you because he got, like I could beat you at any moment. Would have had you. And then Piper ha- underneath his belt pulls out his hand and he's got his belt, his actual belt wrapped around. And he's like, no, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> but that match was in itself was the best match of that WrestleMania. Oh, for sure. And uh, was probably the greatest match that Piper's ever had in his life as far as wrestling goes. Well, I always think that's a match. That's like uh, that's one of those moments where it's a, it's a testament how uh, amazing Brett was because he could get a good match out of just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, I mean, people would sometimes would say the same thing about Benoit, too, but uh, well, there's we don't a- need to go there, but it's just, but like, I mean, 
I think like I don't know if it was Brett or Benoit that got a, like a good match out of Sid Sid Vicious at one point. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just that. It's it's one of those things I, I love about it where the sort of like you, it's like you're more. It, it shows how great you are when you can make the other guy look better. Yeah, of yeah. course. That's the that's the whole idea of it. Like you know, the is you're both putting each other over. Like um, as far as that Brett Piper match goes, a lot of people. Well, a lot of people do know. This, uh, that's the first time Piper had been pinned in like 17, 18 years. Yeah. He like, so he, he did not lie down for anyone. And Piper has said in interviews, why did you lie down for Brett? And he's like, oh, I thought he needed to push. Yeah. You know, which is, and that's all it takes is like one legend to mm-hmm. lay down, to just do the job. And that's, uh, and, all, and it's such a gift, right? Like, oh my God, he pinned Roddy Piper. When's yeah. the last time you've seen that happen? I remember from, um, like a, a couple of matches. Oh, two things I remember about going to Maple Leaf Gardens and watching matches was uh, if the main event was in the middle of the show, yeah. you I started to r- r- uh, realize that, oh, because it was one match where it was sort of like, um, uh, there was like, a, it was Hogan versus Kamala. That was supposed to be in the main event, but it was like half, it was at the midpoint of the show. Yeah. And then... I started to notice, okay, well, when the main event's in the middle of the show, they always come back at the end of the show, and they announce when the, on the next show coming to town, it's going to be Hogan and Kamala in a steel cage oh, match. Yeah. And then then you know people would freak out. And then I was just sort of like, well, that's kind of weird. How come that happens every time? And then uh, another memory of Maple Leaf Gardens was... Uh, I remember there was like three guys. There was a bunch of people behind me when I went with my dad. And uh, I remember looking over my shoulder. And now I realized that these guys were just completely shit-faced, hammered, mm-hmm. and drunk. And But I remember thinking as a kid, whoa, those guys really love wrestling. Because hmm. they were screaming and freaking out. Those guys are enthusiastic. Oh, man. When I'm, <laughs> old, when I'm older, I'm going to be just as enthusiastic uh, as, they, as they are. But when you're talking about the main event being in the middle, a lot of the main events back in the old days in the Madison Square Garden, like Bruno, when he defended his title, he often defended in the middle of the card. And if you watch a lot of the Saturday Night's main events, Hogan match, Hogan's matches are usually second match in. Yeah, you know? I noticed that well, on the uh, replayed one on the network, the opening match was actually Hogan and, and Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the one, another one that I saw on the network was, uh, it totally reminded me of back in the day when I... Uh, would watch him on NBC mm-hmm. on the Saturday night main event. And it was Piper and uh, Orndorff and they fought each other and they went into the backstage area. Yeah. And I remember as a kid just being like, Oh my God, I've never seen this before. Oh yeah. Cause back then it was like, they never went backstage. No, you occasionally you'd see someone going down the hallway yeah. and, and out into the arena. But for the most part, when I saw like uh, Hogan, I mean, Piper and Orndorff going to the backstage, I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. This is incredible. And then, of course, I re- when I rewatched the match, I was just like, uh, yeah, this is not that big a deal. But uh, <laughs> but I, it's, it's one of those moments that are kind of less, you know, when you, it's like it's for all those people that have fallen, like that will never give a new Star Wars movie a chance. Yeah. Because they're sort of like, no, the best one's the first one. And it. You know, the first one is still amazing, but you, when you put on those glasses of nostalgia and mm. you're watching it, it just reminds you of when you were a kid. So you're never going to sort of get over that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, the, the re- wrestling product is so much better now as far as like in-ring work and to some degree. But I mean, uh, like back then it was just, yeah, you just, you almost got caught up in it because you never really saw anything else like that anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. 
yeah, like when you go back and watch a match, it's like, well, it's 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 different style. Like mm-hmm. you truly have to be a fan to go back and sit through like an hour of a Flair versus anyone match because it's like it's an hour. Yeah, you're, you're, you're investing an hour into a match that you've already seen before, right? And you know how it ends. But but yeah, I do. Like I will watch Steamboat versus Flair. Maybe twice a year, uh, yeah. one of their car, one of their matches. Even Brett and Sean, depending, like it's it's hard for me to watch that one. I will watch it every now and again because I really, really hated the ending. As a Brett fan, yeah. it's like it's your job. It's not your job as a champion. It's not your job to win. It's your job to keep your title. Right. And if they go an hour and it's tied, then it's a draw. Yeah. And the belt goes home with the champion. Roddy Piper, who clearly was not happy about losing to Bret Hart in WrestleMania previously, well, two or three previously, is now the commissioner. So now he comes out and says, no, this match is going to go on. And okay, if it's going to go on, why does why does it start? Why doesn't it start with Brett having Shawn Michaels in the sharpshooter in the center of the ring? Because that's how it ended before you broke it up before this five minutes of bullshit right, yeah. of Shawn Michaels to catch his breath so that Brett can walk right into a super kick and lose the title. And, and then it was yeah, a super kick into a small package. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. I To this, look at, you can hear. I know, I can hear it in your voice, man. I know, but it's still, it's so upsetting. Brett should have, you know, ugh, don't even get me started. It was... And it was was Piper the commissioner then? Because I remember Gorilla. Piper had something to do with it, but Gorilla came in to maybe, and they weighed on the decision together or something like that. But you know, I just remember not being happy because look at Brett wrestled the hour. Yeah, it's tie. It's not. It's not Sean's. Sean couldn't win. Sean couldn't beat him. Couldn't beat him in an hour. Couldn't beat him in an hour. I remember that one too. And and you watch it now. And like I like how they do Iron Match Man matches now, where. You know, it's more, it's based on points. Cause I remember there was that mm-hmm. one, uh, it was on SmackDown, that Kurt Angle, um, uh, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Iron Man match. Yeah. And it did, they did point, it was a, a point thing. And then it, yeah, it was kind of cool because it was like, cause then at one point in that, like, I think Brock had like four points and Angle had two. And then Angle got like two pins, like in quickly in a row. And then it was a tie. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it just built more tension. And it was just, it was more fun like that. I do think it's fun. I do think it's better like that too. Well, that's the thing that's always bothered me with Sean. Whenever people, like, yeah, he's an amazing in-ring performer, and any era that he was in, he was always entertaining to watch. I didn't like the storyline and the way he beat Brett. I also didn't like that he held a tag title with Diesel for a year and did not defend it. I didn't like the fact that he lost the Intercontinental title just by giving it up. Yeah. He like twice vacated the title and once vacated, I believe, the world title. Yeah, It's like, you know, so Brett won't... Brett doesn't want to lose to Shawn Michaels, but he'll drop. He just wants to vacate the title the next night on Raw, and they won't let him do that. But they have no problem when Shawn Michaels has vacated three or four different titles throughout his career there. Yeah. It's bullshit. And when you when you want to have that argument, Shawn versus Brett, with me every time, I will always be on the Hitman side because he, you know, for one guy who didn't do one job, 
that's what he's memorable for. Like he's mem- he, people m- remember that, and you know he's he's job to everybody that there is the job to pretty much. That's the thing. It's like as as much as I know, it's like it's it's a, it's a show. It's a work. You know, it's predetermined. But there's still fundamental rules of wrestling that I can't stand it when they're broken. Yeah, it's like there was that. I mean, the one Royal Rumble where like CM Punk got like thrown, not th- even thrown out, but like corporate Kane came out and drew and threw and, and pulled him over the top rope. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can't have that. Yeah. And there was the one, there was a elimination chamber where all of a sudden the Wyatt family just showed up inside. Yeah. It's sort of like, there's certain things you just can't, you shouldn't be allowed to like screw around with. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what the, now there's a new way to kill Dracula or like there's a new way to kill the wolf man. No, there's one that's the silver bullet. That's it. Elimination chamber. You can't get in, you know? And then it's like, then you see like oh it's oh oh someone's gonna come down and they'll, they're gonna take the lock off of the hell in the cell and then go inside. I'm like no, there still should be some rules. It's t- well, that's that's different though. This is like a lot. Well, to a certain extent, yes, I agree. But <laughs> um, look at if a heel manager comes down with a bolt cutter. Okay, heel manager, yeah, and right. and cuts the, the the gate open so three guys can go in and beat up the guy that's uh, down on the ground already. That's fine. That's what the heels do. Like everybody was so upset. When James Ellsworth climbed the ladder to bring down the woman's money in the bank and hand it to Carmilla, and I was like, just a guy trying to get laid. Yeah, I know. You know, that's, that's his job. He's the heel. He's, that, he's that's that still kind of that kind of got under my skin a little bit because only because they were kind of waving the flag around about this is the first women's you know money in the bank. And, yeah, and and then it and then. You know, I, I was about to say, I'm surprised more women didn't get upset, but I, I'm not really that surprised. But because uh, what women are going to really protest pro wrestling um, storylines <laughs> getting broken. But um, but then it was just sort of like, well, wait a minute. What happens if this was to happen on Divas? Uh, you ever watch? Do you ever watch Divas? I've gotten sucked into a few episodes when they had like three in a row on the network. Yeah, and then I'm always sort of like, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen to Daniel Bryan next. You know? Oh, uh, when I lived with Michelle Shaughnessy, who's been on the show, that's how I got her into wrestling. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you, you know, watch, watch, watch Divas with me. <laughs> watch, well, yeah, that 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 can uh, that show got me hooked for a bit. But it's funny that. That that's how Michelle got into wrestling because for a while I think in the in the mid sort of like in that sort of weird down period in yeah. the mid ninety mid nineties to the beginning of the attitude like I got back into it in the attitude era mm-hmm. but Christine von Hagen and I dated for a while and mm-hmm. she actually got back and she got into wrestling at the attitude area too attitude era and then she got me back into it. And then I sort of have been a pretty diehard fan ever since the Attitude Area. But it's just, it's weird that, you know, when someone else sort of gets you hooked back into it. Yeah. Because I remember going to see pay-per-views with her and then her roommate, Jamila Ross at the time, uh, she would watch wrestling. And, but, but what's funny is like you watch it now and there's, it's, there's still some good moments, but they showed an old episode from 999 on the network uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that Attitude Era it was so much more scripted and storyline based. The one they showed was the one where Vince shows up. He has to get Austin to deliver something to the undertaker. So Stephanie can get free. And there's just, there's, it's so much more story based then. Yeah. And I could see how a girl would actually probably get more 
you know, suck, I want, don't want to say suckered into it, but I could see how a girl could get more hooked because it is more of a story-based thing rather than the uh, in-ring work at that time. Yeah. But that's when they only had like two, they had like one, two writers. It was just Vince and Ed Ferrara and Vince, Vince Russo? Russo. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they had other writers underneath as most shows do. Right. But those writers don't get the credit because they work underneath head writers, right? Yeah. I think that's the way it would work. With that said, in that era, everybody was over. Mm-hmm. Mid carters, like everybody, you know, you look at uh, Too Cool. Right. Uh, these guys are the first match. Yep. And they're coming out and they're over with the worm and the dancing and Rikishi. That was one of my favorite rumble moments. Also was where they, they reunite yep. the, two, the three of them together and they do the dance and then Rikishi just throws them both over. Like, get the hell out of here. Oh, no, you that know? was awesome. Um, but then, then they go on to the next match. Oh, it's uh, it's Sparky, it's Sparky Plug Holly, little brother Crash Holly, and he's coming out with a weight scale on his shoulder, and he's over. And then the next match, you got the Dudleys, and then they're over, you know. And it's oh, just that like was the Dudleys was that the was that Royal Rumble two thousand? Oh, I'm just saying any oh, yeah, any in card general, in yeah. general, you know. The next thing you know, DX is the mid card. They're on there. They're over. You know, and then you go Val with Venus. The Val Venus is over, you know, and then you go to the girls. The girls are over. And then finally, the main event, Rock versus Austin. It's you're like, wow, what a card, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that's kind of what's missing today. Yeah, it's yeah. not everybody's over. But I don't know if you've seen the match a couple weeks ago on Raw where they did a gauntlet match. That was amazing. And, and, and the first two hours was one match right because because now they always talk about how backstage it's the uh you know i mean eventually triple h will take over and he'll yes. start booking raw uh but apparently that that two hour gauntlet match was all vince which almost seems like so very unvinced these days because vince seems more about character and story and hunter's more about wrestling and well apparently that was all vince who wanted the because uh, i there's a show on sirius xm busted open yeah and uh that's and uh well now he's bully ray but bully ray was saying that he heard backstage from uh, another source that, that probably for well devon's a writer he's a he's a match booker oh, oh really a producer yeah well because yeah cause, so it's well, probably from devon so well well he just said that like uh, apparently that that two-hour gauntlet match was all vince Brilliant. Which was... Which was uncharacteristic of Vince. Yeah. They're really trying to give Seth Rollins the Monday Night Raw show. Like, it used to be RVD and it used to be Jericho. Yeah. And now Seth Rollins is kind of carrying on that gimmick. And he wrestled 90 minutes of that match, apparently. Maybe an hour. An hour at least. I think it was like close to like 50 minutes or an hour, yeah. Like, they would constantly... Well, they were constantly reminding you. It was great. It was a great match. And then the rest of Raw was so easy to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like when it's three hours and it's filled with interviews and stupidity, it drives me insane. I, I have trouble watching the three hours. Well, and also, I mean, so wrestling shouldn't start off with a 20-minute promo in the ring. No. And, and I would like to see a couple of the sort of the goofy Vince Russo sort of angles come back. Because I'm so disappointed in the whole Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle and no one in the crowd believes that Jason Jordan is his son. No. And and they, you know what, they could totally, but uh, I'd love to see like somehow like Maury Povich shows up uh, and for whatever reason, you know, more just 
Get buy Maury Povich. This, a I'm, in the I'm on board row. with this. I think this give, will be great. Give Maury Povich a ticket in the front row. Maury Povich somehow shows up back up backstage. Kurt Angle gives uh, like a uh, like a hairbrush with like hair in it too, or something. A hairbrush from a bald man. Okay, okay, all right. How about <laughs> how about a towel that Jason Jordan just used? Puts it in a Ziploc bag, gives it to Maury Povich, and just says, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you check this?" And then Maury Povich can just do the whole "You are not the father." And then because it looked like they were kind of gonna gonna kind of do that when, uh, um, oh, Gable. Um, no, uh, who is um Corey Graves was doing a big push on Jason Jordan yeah, and says, oh, Jason Jordan, oh, he's so amazing. He's so great. So it would have been cool if they had sort of like a, a subplot of like that. And, and then and they get Jason Jordan to be more like, oh, my dad, boo-hoo-hoo. Come on, daddy, help me, help me. And then you get Angle to start started getting pissed off of just like, listen, I can't help you. You have to learn to be on your own. And then we have the big reveal that what? That what? You're not even my son and you were trying to screw me so you could get the title shot. And then... Uh, have a big father and son fight at Mad Mania. In one month, you could totally build that up. And then when it's revealed that you are not the father, then Jason Jordan takes a chair out, beats the crap out of his dad, and then his dad comes back, and then Kurt Angle beats, gets Jason Jordan to tap out at Mania. Who is Jason Jordan's father? Is it the 1987 Broncos? <laughs> <laughs> See that? Who is Cartman's father or something like that? Yeah, was I a, yeah I, you, uh, you could go wherever you want with it because nobody believes that angle and everyone would go nuts when it's Maury Povich did the whole, you are not the father. No, that would be perfect. I I would be on board for that. Like, you know, that is a funny premise. That is something where, where they bring in celebrity. They have like that is that's good. That's good writing, Dave. That's I, good writing. I would love to. I would love to see that. Just to, especially when, uh, yeah, when when no one believes the the idea that he's the long lost son in the first place. I always have fantasy bookings in my head too. Um, like one of the ones that I'd love to do is I love Tessa Blanchard. Okay, and uh, eventually. It's not, it's not so much anymore. Like, you know, um, Charlotte and Becky and Bailey and Sasha would call themselves the four horsewomen, but, um, only Charlotte has the rights to call herself that. Yeah. The other three don't. So I would like to see Tessa Blanchard come in in a mask and not reveal herself, but just each week, take out Bailey, take out Sasha, take out Becky. And then eventually, you know, after she takes out a surprise, uh, takes out Charlotte, she reveals herself, and then her and Charlotte can have a fantastic feud Oh, okay. uh, on fighting over the, the Four Horsemen name. And then, you know, you could even spill that into Ronda Rousey and Shayna Brazler because they call them the Four Horsewomen as well, or two of the Four Horsewomen. You know, there, there are ways you could go, but this is before Ronda Rousey came in. But that's what I wanted to do with Tessa Blanchard and how to bring her in. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, like I love, I always love people coming back in masks. Yeah. You know, like, and even if it's ridiculous, like Hulk Hogan under a mask, and oh, it's clearly the, Hulk Mr. Hogan. Mr. America, yeah. Fantastic. When then Dusty Rhodes had another mask. Midnight, midnight Rider. And now that Ivory is going into the Hall of Fame, what I, because I find, I find the, the, um, the Bailey character, yeah, two goody two shoes, so boring. And I'd love to see Becky do a heel turn. And because there's old footage that they've shown before. I don't know if they've ever shown it on TV, but I know there's footage I've seen on YouTube where 
Bailey is talking about how her inspiration to go into wrestling was Ivory. Mm-hmm. And Ivory always had this amazing sort of cool mean streak to her. And I would love to see just Bailey and Ivory bump into each other backstage. And then right, at, and then Bailey should go on a big losing streak. And then she meets Ivory. And Ivory is going to be like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to show you how that, to start winning matches. And then, uh, and then, and then Ivory teaches Bailey this whole, like, you got to learn to cheat to win. And then, then it's it's the classic sort of like turn someone heel, then the fans turn them a face to into a face, and then they're over like gangbusters the same way that they did with the rock. I'd love yeah, to see like that. Once you you can't reach that super level until you're heel and then they flip you back. Yeah. And I think that's like Cena is at the top level there is, but there's another level above that that he's never reached that Lex Luger went all too many times. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how. I mean, I'd love to see Cena do a heel turn, but I mean, he's Mister, he's Mister Make a Wish Foundation. Well, so. there's only one re- one way how, and Allison Dore has said it on the show, and I even told this to Ricky Steamboat, and he sort of liked it. And he was like, "You got to get a couple of those Make a Wish uh, kids to make their wish to meet John Cena to tell them we want you to be a bad guy." Yeah, that's he can't. Probably, he can't turn down. He can't turn down their wish. That's what John Cena is all about: is making the wishes come true. Yeah, and all of a sudden he has to go heal because little Jimmy's dying, and little Jimmy wants to see uh, John Cena break the rules and really put a beat down on people. I mean, would you get John Cena to? I mean, I also l- always like the old like take the T-shirt off and then you have the, the reveal, the reveal underneath it, which I kind of always wish that Dallas Page did. I wish that Dallas Page, when he put on the T-shirt for the NWO, mm-hmm. I wish that he took it off. Yeah. And then he blew his nose on it or something like that and threw it down. <laughs> and because uh, there was, the, was the Mike Tyson one where he took his T-shirt off. And, and he had, had the NWO, yeah. They had the, uh, uh, the, D, D, the DX, DX yeah. one. And, uh, but I don't know if you do the re- reveal of... Uh, like John Cena's all of a sudden wearing an NWO shirt. Well, they came close to turning him heel when he had to go as part of Nexus. Yeah. But he was reluctant. Right. But it's just like, it would have been, if I would have liked to see him be reluctant and give that storyline a little further and a little longer to go. He's reluctant. He's reluctant. Maybe, you know, one night he goes drinking with Wade Barrett. And next thing you know, they become buddies and they do some naughty things. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, he, he embraces the the dark side. Well, you know, like they could have did it through that. Because at first he would be like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. And then eventually when they're all beating down on someone. He finally like gives in and joins in and just loves it. You know, I well, thought that was the way they could have went. I, I don't, I don't, because I mean, everyone wants Roman to turn heel, but I don't know how you, because he's still wearing that chest plate mm-hmm. sort of thing, and I always think that Roman should get some great like get like three guys in there to give roman a beat down and then all of a sudden they take off the chest plate and he has like an nwo shirt on or i don't know what it would take to to get him to turn heel but it's like they need to do with roman what they did with rocky and turn him heel sort of you know organically whenever i say whatever they've done wrong with roman i don't think there's any problems with roman people want to boo him that's fine whatever who cares but you know i don't think he's a horrible horrible wrestler i don't mind his matches but the thing is is like if you ever want to reset roman you just reunite the shield and then everybody cheers for him again yeah you know like it's that's what i find funny is like so if he's within the shield you love it. Right. But when he's not in the shield and he's on his own, you hate him. 
Well, then, I mean, then do you get Roman? Because has I mean, Roman's already fought other guys in the Shield. He's fought Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. So it's sort of like even Roman turning on the other two guys in the Shield is not. Would that turn him heel enough for him to get over as a heel? Like I think Roman, I like, I I, I always like the I I like Roman as a as a guy, but I just think that yeah, he's been shoved down our throats too much, and we're to being told to like him, and that's why the fans sort of turn on him. Yeah, but when we were kids, Hulk Hogan was shoved down our throats more than anything. Yeah, but and was, we liked him. But eventually, you know, this is the problem. Is eventually. Uh, I, I turned away from Hogan yeah. after four years of, of watching the same match and everything, you know, I went from eight to 12 and at 12, all of a sudden I'm like, I think I like this guy, Ric Flair that I've been reading about, even though I've never seen him wrestle, yeah. but I seem to like him and his group of thugs because they seem really cool. Well, I also remember too, because when they would have like pro wrestling illustrated in the, in the, you know, magazine racks, yeah. and like corner stores, it would always be like. It would always be Hogan or the the ultimate fight, Hogan versus Flair. Yeah, and then I would be like, I don't know who Rick, who's Ric Flair because because they didn't really show a lot of WCW stuff up in Ontario. No, very right back in the day. No, I remember on early TSN they would show AWA. Yes, and the guys I would I remember Jerry the Crusher Blackwell. Yeah, who um, I loved. He could throw a drop kick. He was like the first Bam Bam Bigelow, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, no, he was a big uh, guy. And then it's, then they would show some stuff on City TV in the afternoon. I remember Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah, uh, he would like do color in a, during a promo, where I remember him taking like this like Four. wire brush yeah. thing and just shot slash the top of his head open, <laughs> and he was doing color in a promo. And uh, but I remember sort even WrestleMania two. I remember talking to a friend of mine on the phone. I was a kid at WrestleMania two. I wanted Bundy to win. I was yeah. just like, oh, I really want this Bundy to win. And then by the time, and I mean, then there was the build to WrestleMania 3, which was awesome. Yeah, uh, awesome. Hogan. Because WrestleMania 2 was so horrible. It was, no, no I think they were scrambling. Even when you on, go back and you watch it, it's not good. No, they were really trying to figure out, like, WrestleMania 2, I was sort of like, I was, I wanted Bundy to win, and I wanted Piper to win the, the, the uh, boxing. boxing match. I think that's back in the day where you had to go to, like, a uh, closed circuit paper some yeah yeah you watch a closer you had to watch a yeah yeah totally um if you could have been at new york chicago or la which one would you which card would you have been at well i I would have been at the one where piper was uh boxing mr t see i would have chose chicago because of the royal rum i mean the battle Battle royal yeah which i loved and also the bulldogs versus uh beefcake and Valentine, the Dream Team. I thought that was the best match of the whole Mania. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that that Mania completely from start to finish. The one thing I do rem- do remember though was I think it was like Uncle Elmer was versus Adrian Adonis, mm-hmm. and lay. And since I've read that, um, literally, Uncle Elmer was supposed to beat Adrian Adonis and supposed to kick out of one of the pins. And Uncle Elmer was just in such shit shape that he literally couldn't kick out. <laughs> Adrian Adonis went over, and as soon as the match was over, Vince was backstage going like, "What? What, what was that?" You, and then, because I distinctly remember that, like Adrian Adonis pinned Uncle Elmer, and then that was the last time you saw Uncle Elmer in a ring was that match. He's a think giant. He, he should Yeah, because he shouldn't have been getting pinned that size. Right. Like he would beat guys in ten under ten seconds. And it doesn't make any sense that Adrian Adonis, who's also a fat guy, yeah. but he he wasn't he was a guy that got fat. Right. He wasn't a fat guy, but he could still move even being a fat guy. You know what's funny is as they showed, uh, I guess if 
I'm trying to remember what match it was, but Paul Orndorff won a match, and I, I saw it on the network. And this is when Adrian Adonis changed from the biker character to yes. the flamboyant, adorable Adrian. Yeah. And um, then there's uh, Orndorff won his match, and then in the backstage area, um, there's a bunch of the heel wrestlers, and there's Adrian Adonis, and they're all congratulating Paul Orndorff on his win. And then... Orndorff knows that Adrian Donis is supposed to play this flamboyantly gay character. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Orndorff is hugging all the other heels going like, oh, thanks guys. Thanks guys. And then he kind of looks at Adrian Donis and there's this moment of like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to hug and can, and say thanks to this, this gay, this gay character. But it was just like a weird moment where you see Orndorff's eyes and he's just like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do? How do I stay in character? It's yeah. You only notice that now if you sort of watch the old network now, but I remember they wrestled on Saturday night's main event and uh, Adrian Donaldson would be like, his promo was like, Hey, Hey Paula, I want to wrestle you. Tonight and Jimmy was like, <laughs> you know, and it was just, uh, it was just great. Earlier, we were talking about Kevin Nash hitting uh, someone with a prosthetic leg. Uh, you have a story about Kevin Nash, right? I heard. Oh, yeah. This is um. What what year was Mania eighteen? I want to say ninety nine. Oh no no no. Or two thousand. Could have been, uh, I think it must have been like 2003. I think it was 2000. No, no, because I, I, I moved to Toronto after that. And I moved to Toronto in 2002. Because it was when, because the NWO was back, because the yeah. main event to main. It might have been 01. Okay, if it was 01, ah, this is, it's uncomfortable saying this because it's such a shitty thing that myself and uh, I'm not going to give his full name, but his first name was Mark. And he's been a guest previously on your show. And we had, I had somehow I scammed two tickets uh, or we, no, I had tickets to the Friday fan access. And then I had tickets to the Saturday fan access. Yes. Or I don't know. I had tickets to, to the fan access. And then I had tickets to mania that year. And the first day I went, I was with myself and, uh, two other people and we just saw these huge lineups of people to get autographs yeah and i think i stood in line to get um oh fuck, um, i forget whose autograph it was but then it got changed the last second and then people were sort of oh i think it was rvd i was going to get his autograph and then rvd had to get up and go somewhere else and uh -huh. then rvd got replaced with jazz and then everyone started booing, and I ended up getting Jazz autograph anyways. But I noticed while I was waiting in line that everybody who was in a wheelchair, for some reason, they didn't have to stand in line. Well, they don't have to stand They don't have at to stand all. at all. So no. you'd think that they would be the ones to be like, no, you can wait in line as long as you want. Your legs aren't going to get sore. So, But I noticed that everyone in a wheelchair just got zipped right up to the front of the line. And I had an old cast that from a previous injury I had. And so I put on this old cast, and my friend Mark was able to get a wheelchair. Okay. And so the two of us went to the second day of the fan access and we got we got pulled straight to the front of the line for every autograph signing so i have my wrestlemania 18 program and i have like about like oh there's maybe about like 16 autographs in there because we oh. went straight to the front of the line and so it was kevin nash and scott hall were signing autographs we went straight to the front and the first thing kevin nash says is well, he's the first thing he points to my leg he's like oh how'd you get your injury and i had to scramble because my leg was perfectly fine but i just had this cast on but you were a comedian at the time 
Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. you have improv skills. Oh, I have I have mild improv skills, but okay. at, you know, there's still that moment. You know, like I don't get star. I never get starstruck meeting comedians because I'm always sort of like I know the steps involved in becoming a great comic. Yeah. Whether you reach them or not is there's so many factors to that happening. But I I'm, I still get fascinated. I still get starstruck if I want to meet wrestlers um, at at that time because you're sort of like because they seem like cartoon characters you've only seen no, them on TV. I, yeah, you don't have to explain to me i right. totally get it so i just i saw kevin nash and and, and scott hall and i and you know i still had that moment like ah, hi kevin nash and then so kevin nash was like hey how'd you hurt your leg and i was like oh it was a football injury i, I think i'm gonna be fine though it's and then then kevin nash was well, hey, you want to know how you can uh, get your leg back in uh, shape? How, how you can fix your ankle? And I was like, no, tell me. And he's like, well, what do you want to do is you want to uh, sort of try to tilt your ankle. You tilt your uh, ankle in, in such a way, and then you slide it deep into a woman's vagina, and then you ro- start rotating it back and forth. Maybe about do like two sets of 20, and then take your ankle out of that vagina, and then you'll be just fine in a, in a week or two. And then both my, and my jaw just dropped because I couldn't imagine. I was now, like, how old are you? at this time oh i was uh in my early 30s okay so this is two adult men talking at it's not like him talking to a child oh, no, he's not talking to like a 15 year old no it's but like still it's the last thing you're trumping you ex- billy bang you're trumping billy bush on a bus that's all yeah. that you are but it, but it, it was just the weirdest thing for like this guy that i was like i was like oh wow it's kevin nash and then he just says the most creepiest weirdest dirtiest thing to to and all in context of helping my ankle heal faster of just sliding into a woman's vagina and then i looked over my shoulder and my friend mark both of our jaws were just like what like a, a classic just what the fuck did you just say oh my god what was that and then and then mark just like then uh, just uh, wheeled me out and then both of us were like did you just see what he just said to me and it was just one of those moments just like you have no idea who you were talking to and it just seemed like the, the dude was just the oddest thing for a, a wrestler to say to a fan yeah and, you know he was probably pilled up oh for, uh, uh, yeah for sure was he drinking a chardonnay or a glass of wine or anything uh, like i that? didn't see it it was in was, some sippy cup or something like uh hall what did hall say during all this uh no he didn't say anything i think he just signed it uh he signed it on there was that shot from mania 10 yeah. where sean's about to give him a splash oh yeah so he just signed it and then passed it on and then kevin nash was the guy that went off went That's off script great. and so, told me to uh, heal my vagina uh, heal the my ankle by slipping into a woman's vagina i would have which i don't think works either well we don't know no it's you know it's science (laughs) Uh, at at one point he was oz so he does know a lot yeah he does Um, maybe he has maybe that worked for him i'm sure he's had leg injuries in the past i believe he uh, could not attend the raw 25 because he had leg injuries to deal with apparently if you someone told me apparently if you get him to do one of those speaking tours like kevin nash can't stand for more than five minutes no they have to sit yeah, yeah. for sure yeah now for the, if don't feel bad that um you used a fake cast to get an advantage over everyone else because that just makes you bob orton senior exactly yeah I, you I, know I do. you're uh, not the first to use a cast to gain an advantage over someone also this uh, this my friend mark and i got wheelchair seats to go and watch a SmackDown taping as well. Wait, Bob Orton Jr. 
Sorry, <laughs> not senior. Ace Cowboy Bob. Yeah, Hart. Ace Cowboy. We yeah. know who we're talking. Yeah, about. exactly. Yeah, Bob Jr. So you used the wheelchair again? Yeah, we used it twice. Once to get into fan access and get loads of autographs, and then the second time we used the wheelchair again to get just a SmackDown tickets. And apparently they hold the they hold the wheelchair seats till the day of. Mm. So if there's a concert that you really want to go to, I think apparently they sell off the wheelchair seats at the the day of. Yeah, usually around four or five o'clock. Yeah, and so you could scoop those up if you if you have to go that, that route. Ah, man, I just start going to concerts in wheelchairs. Well, I know I I sort of started. Uh, I I think there was like a Kiss concert that I almost wanted to try to get tickets to, and then I was just like, oh man, then I have to then you have to commit to sitting in a wheelchair for the whole show though. Yeah, well, look at certain wrestlers have to commit to be. In a gay character for the, for a year or two, yeah, you know Chuck and Billy, that that Chuck and Billy one that that could have been so well written that they were still technically because they broke character at the end of that during the yeah, wedding like, scene when they kissed they're like no we're right. not yeah but see if they if they wrote it because if when they had the two brands uh, SmackDown and Raw fighting with each other. And Bischoff was Bischoff on SmackDown, Smackdown yeah. and Stephanie was on Raw, I think. Raw. Like, weeks ahead of time, they could have been like, no, we want the wedding because that's going to get more ratings. And then, then Raw could have been like, no, we want the wedding because that's going to be bigger ratings. And then so they had the Raw, the wedding on Raw. Then Bischoff could have just disrupted the whole wedding. And he Bischoff didn't want the wedding to happen at all because... Uh, the whole ratings battle, and mm-hmm. then you didn't even need to get Billy and Chuck to break character and go, oh, we're not gay anymore. Yeah. We have wife and kids. They could have still stuck with the gay characters, and then they could have did this whole thing of like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, our wedding's ruined. And then you could, then all it takes was Billy catching Chuck with a woman yeah. and then going like, what the hell's going on? I thought you, and then, then Chuck just catching Billy with a woman and then, then, then they could go on their separate ways. And well, then they, it, then you don't really need to break up a storyline in a shitty way that the way that they did. Yeah. Like it's uh, like, there's something wrong with it. Like I'm not, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. back then, you know, today a little more progressive, like it's highly believable that Billy Gunn could be gay. He is an ass man. Yeah, he loves to kiss him. He loves to kick him. He loves to hold him. He loves to swim him. I, <laughs> was swim him? Is that is that something? I don't remember the words exactly. Uh, well, if you were an ass man, you would love to swim an ass. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I guess so. I'm, you would love I'm, a swimmer's ass, and you would love to just be swimming in a lake full of asses. Ass. Did you have any other stories that you wanted to say um, before we get out of I, here? I, there was a one. Uh, it was I think myself and. Another comic that I won't name because I don't know if he would want to be named in it, but we smoked a joint with the Iron Sheik outside of uh, the, um, well, no, behind the Underground Comedy Club. Oh, that's it, fantastic. Yeah, I shared a joint with the Iron Sheik. And, and he, the Iron Sheik, look it, we're not busting anything open. The Iron Sheik was charged for pot possession. Yeah. Uh, got caught smoking. With Hacksaw Jim Duggan, they were in the same car together when they shouldn't have been. And that, again, that was another moment I remember in like, I was in grade eight or nine and then being like, well, that's really weird. Yeah. Why are they even together? It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. But maybe they were trying to make peace between the Middle East and the USA through the goodness of a marijuana joint. I didn't get that deep in. Uh, I don't know, I, but I didn't think about that possibility. But I, Hacksaw I, will be coming up on the show in April. I'm doing five shows with him. For those who don't know, I'm doing five shows. And I think uh, King or maybe four shows, but definitely Kingston, Brockville, Belleville and Fergus. I know those four show for uh, four shows for sure. 
Sorry, I am hiccuping like you would not believe. <laughs> um, but I'm doing shows with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, so we'll most likely have him on the podcast. And I will ask him, why are you trying to make peace in the Middle East? Because that seems like something that he would do. That would be a good way to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, last time I was at the Comic-Con in Hamilton, I got my photo with, um, I guess, with the Killer Bees, One Man Gang. The Killer Bees uh I don't know. Our common friend, Mark Andrada, yeah. was just on the show recently. Yes. And he said the Killer Bees were the number one tag team of the 80s. I, uh, well, I love that because I love the mask gimmick. Was, that was amazing. I, I always He said that. they were doing, uh, uh, what were they called? Bella Magic or what do they call it? Bella. Because the Bellas do it. Be- twin Magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. said they were doing the Bellas Twin Magic before anyone else. Uh, apparently, they, they, they did that. That gimmick was used like a whole bunch of just the, whole, the mask that. But uh, when I spoke to um, Brian Blair, because, you know, if you ever heard Howard, uh, Iron Sheik on Howard Stern, he's always like, Brian Blair, you motherfucker, could I fuck you in the ass, make you humble. And then I actually asked, I asked Brian Blair, I was just like, so what's the deal with Iron Sheik? Why does he hate you so much? And, uh, and he told me the story that anytime someone starts off a story with, okay, well, look, first of all, you know, whatever the name is, is crazy. He used to like, so Brian Blair was like, okay, well, first of all, look, Sheiky's crazy. <laughs> and uh, I guess Iron Sheik was like being like a real like asshole backstage and just yelling and screaming. And I guess this was go up, going up to lead towards, I don't know if it was Mania or WrestleMania 2, but it was going to be Iron Sheik and Volkov against the, the Killer Beasts, right? They had a match in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And so this is the 80s and it's in, you know, Iron Cheek is still holding a grudge, and uh, said that just one night in the ring, B. Brian Blair put him in an abdominal stretch, and it's one of those classic sort of like as much as those moves, you know, those moves do hurt if yeah. you actually apply them for real, and um, so uh, Brian Blair just put Iron Cheek in a, a submission hold of uh, abdominal stretch, and then really, really stretched him, and you know. Uh, just went full out on it and iron Sheik has not uh is still holding a grudge against that so every time you hear iron Sheik going crazy about uh being brian blair it all goes back to one match in the 80s where Hershey, pennsylvania where he got stretched it was like a shoot it was like for real yeah and then you're and then there's always like really that's all the way that all the way back there that's crazy but one of the things i know you there was an episode i think you when you guys were talking about the rumble i know you wanted ronda rousey to win i'm yes. so glad that she did not show up in the rumble thought it would have taken away from oscar but i wanted- i think it, in the end the way they did it did take away from oscar oh it, it, it did but at, at least in the you know oscar got to do slapping ronda's hand out of the way yeah which you know will eventually set set up a feud but i uh i wanted and I was happy that Nakamura won the Rumble, but at the same time, if they were going to use a Raw guy, I would have loved to have seen Bobby Lashley show up uh, in that Rumble as a surprise yeah. guest. Love Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley wins the Rumble, faces Brock at Mania, and somehow it's a triple threat, like Roman, Bobby Lashley, and Brock in a triple threat uh, for the title at Mania, and then you have Heyman turn on Brock and start representing Bobby Lashley. And then you have Bobby Lashley coming out of mania with the title. And cause Brock might go, it, there's chances that Brock might go back in the UFC. So, cause I think Brock's contract ends after mania. Well, he's, so if I, that's the case, then you get uh Heyman is now, I'm a Bobby Lashley guy. 
And then there's still the legit MMA, mm-hmm. you know, um, history to both Lesnar and Lashley. Or what if what if Heyman comes in managing Ronda Rousey? That's another thing. I want. I want. That's another. Maybe thing she too. can't talk. Well, let put Heyman with her. She and can't. let and just do the same thing that they did with Brock that they do with Ronda. Just have her come in and beat everybody at first. Yeah. yeah. Except Absolutely. for Oxa. You know, eventually they got to work. And Charlotte. Because Charlotte's uh, just amazing. There's still that part of me that wants to see Charlotte do color like her dad. And because she has that long blonde hair. She can't, she can't, she can't do it. She can't talk. Rick Rick Flair's Flair's even said, he goes, Rick Flair said. <laughs> I want to see Charlotte to do a blade job. Oh. And just have that crimson mask. The crimson mask? Of that, like, and Flair just the hair, used to do. like, out. Yes. Yeah, oh, my so, God. I mean, they can't do it because it's a PG era now. But every once in a while, Vince is sort of like, no, let's, because he, I mean, Randy Orton got busted open for real in that one yeah. SummerSlam match. Vince busted himself open for, for Kevin Owens. Yeah. And so, I mean, every once in a while, I know Vince wants to throw some old school attitude era, era stuff in. And then let Charlotte do color and it would be i mean i'm all about equality so if the guys can do color then fucking shell charlotte can do it too and, oh 100 yeah yeah i and, totally agree with and that. i want to see Heyman start managing oscar and shinsuke nakamura and that and build up a little bit of the old dangerous alliance i would just like uh more managers but they're very anti-manager well because they want people to be a full package too but it's sort of like you know, I, I I like the idea of both people getting introduced as bodyguards. I love heaters. And like, I think they should use, if Ronda Rousey comes in, be on her own for a little bit, but then eventually bring Shayna Brazler in yeah. and have her be her Kevin Nash. Sure. Because it looks like Shayna Brazler is just going to kick the shit out of everyone. I like managers. I like like bodyguards that's always a great way to introduce because then eventually the bodyguard will turn on yeah, eventually with, and then yeah. get the then they get the food there that food there there's an instant feud there and uh i know vince wants a full package but like i mean as much as we don't like to bring up his name but like i mean benoit could never really cut a great promo now hold on a second <laughs> this is twice he's brought up benoit i just want to let everybody know that i'm wearing um the uh tournament of champions from mayhem the 1999 uh wcw pay-per-view and it has the final four Bret the hitman Hart, hall of famer sting hall of famer double j going in the hall of famer and then chris benoit's in the bottom corner oh, yeah. and uh that's why this guy's not like the biggest benoit fanatic that keeps working him into the conversation he just keeps bringing him up because he's it's on, on my your shirt. t-shirt and it's on my gut so it's yeah. the big it's the most closest to his face and benoit can't take his eyes off me so no he can't because yeah he's looking at you like you uh yeah like i don't know like what but we're gonna have a shouting match in the kitchen and then he's gonna shove me in anyways yeah that's yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm, we're we're drawn to each other. Yeah, I put my hand over that part. I'm like, oh, my stomach. I'm so full. And I always cover Benoit. Oh, uh, so. I remember. You know what? And I hate saying it. When that when that horrible tragedy happened, I used to go and watch Raw at this bar O'Grady's. Yeah, on College Street. Raw did a whole episode tributing him. Yeah, they didn't know. And then I remember my friend Dan Loransky, who used to host the live audio wrestling, was. Uh, he was convinced that it was like a, uh, a conspiracy. Kevin no, no, Smith. No, no, no. He, I mean, yeah, Kevin, no, uh, uh, Kevin uh, Sullivan. No, no. He was convinced that it was a, uh, like a carbon monoxide leak in their house. Yeah. And then that's why they all died. 
And I was sort of like, oh, I don't know about that, but that's a, that would be a nice way if that's how it actually happened. Yeah. But, um, but the dogs were alive, so no. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always, a, but I mean, like, the, the, those, there are moments where that does happen, that they do have, like, a monoxide, carbon monoxide leak. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's how Weird Al's parents died. Yeah. Sadly. No, yeah, yeah, very sadly. <laughs> or or they died of embarrassment, either one of those two <laughs> things. But, uh, but I'm trying to think of any other rest, run-in wrestling stories. There was one night I almost went to the Duke, at, which is my local bar at the Queen East and uh, Leslie. And uh, I was like, I was with my girlfriend. We were like, ah, no, I don't feel, we, let's not, let's skip going to the Duke. And then it turns out that Bret Hart was drinking there that night. Was he drinking with Sweet Daddy Siki? No, he was just drinking with, a, a, I guess, one or two other friends, but it was karaoke night. At the so I don't know if Brett went up and sang any songs, but, but do thought, you think he showed up to see Sweet Daddy Seeky? Well, Sweet Daddy Seeky hosts karaoke on, in the afternoon okay. uh, on Saturday, so I think Brett might have been just there to drink. But I thought what it would have been perfect that if Brett went up and sang, started to sing a song, and then Shawn Michaels does a run in and then super kicks him and then takes a microphone. And, no, I don't like that at all. No, I don't. I, I know that that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I don't like that idea either. But it would have been a funny way to they, start a feud. Uh, they were showing uh, Brett um, his, his night where they gave him the key to the city in Calgary, and the mayor proclaimed a Bret Hart day, and they were having. They did it all after Raw. And Vince came out, and Jericho came out, and Jerry Lawler was hosting it, and Shawn Michaels comes out. But when Shawn Michaels comes out, they give him full fucking pyro. Yeah. And he dances his way out, and you can just see that Brett is not happy. He's like, why? Why? Like, I didn't get any pyro. Like, not that Brett needs pyro, but it's like, why? Like, when they brought out Jericho, they play the music, but like, you know, just walk down to the ring and just do your thing. But Sean has to be Sean. He has to dance around. He has to do this. And it's like, if you don't know anything about Brett, that's the one thing he hates about you is all your dancing and you're, you know, you're, you're hustling around. Yeah, you that, know? That, that over the top showmanship. You yeah. You're like, come on, it's Brett's, it's Brett's night. Yeah. Let him, let him have his moment. It's you one know. thing to play the music, but to give him the full pyro for after the cameras have went off. And then did he do the pose down as well? Oh, he didn't do the pose down, but he did do all the dancing on the way down to the ring maybe he even did do the pose but it was just like the brett was you could just see the brett was very happy and then the i guess the other time i met when i finally got to meet roddy piper at the xm studios and that was just a that was a super treat as well it was like literally meeting i don't know think of a rock star that you always wanted to meet anybody like there's i never got to meet roddy piper and uh, i've had people on in the show that have had uh relates like allison dora developed a relationship with him she had him three times on her show and she went out with him one night and uh craig lazon has been on the show and he had that great sketch that they did for the air forest the 12 days the 12 days of christmas yeah where piper just beats the hell out of him for 12 days you know and i'm just so i love that roddy piper you know was a regular in toronto for so much in the last 10 years of his life he was always in toronto it seemed like every couple months programming or or doing something or whether it's shooting something but um i'm also I'm, i'm just glad that every time i've ever met a wrestler uh because I met well, actually, the only guy that was a bit of a jerk was uh, Greg Valentine at uh, one of the Hamilton Comic Cons who didn't want to speak because my friend uh, Dan Loransky was doing um, uh, interviews mm-hmm. and Greg Valentine did not want to speak to us at all. Yeah. Like not even to do like a quick bumper of like, hey, you're listening to live audio wrestling. Yeah. But we had like a long conversation with uh, Brutus Beefcake. And he told us the whole story about like the whole barber gimmick and stuff like that. And uh, we did like an interview with Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson told us about how The Rock had to fire him from uh, one of the movies that... 
because I guess Rocky Johnson was gonna was in like one of the Mummy films. Yeah, and then Ro- and The Rock fired him because that's guess, funny. Yeah, but uh, I'm just glad that it's like. You know, you're always, it's like you always hear from a lot of actors that always wish that they never met their idols. Yeah. Because then they're always let down. No. I'm always, I'm just glad that every wrestler I've met has always been really cool. And Only accepted. one wrestler was an asshole to me. Oh. Uh, they came into our, the restaurant that I worked at. Three wrestlers came in. Uh, Charlie Haas, who's gone now. Um, uh, Big Show was with them. Okay. And Sean O'Hare. Oh, yeah. And Sean O'Hare was just, he was just linked up with Roddy Piper, got Roddy Piper to be his mouth because he was a guy that had a great body, a great look, but could not do anything with it because yeah. he didn't have a, because he couldn't speak. So they hooked him up with Piper. And uh, I said, I'm really happy they hooked you up with Piper. You know, now you get the proper push you need. And I went to shake his hand. And he goes, I don't shake hands. And wow. I'm like, I'm like, why not? And he goes, I don't like touching guys. I was like, but you do it for a living. <laughs> you oil up before you do it. Like, don't tell me you don't like touching guys. You like rubbing yourself all over guys. Like, don't make it this a homophobic thing. Yeah. You know, Charlie has shook my hand. Big show, more than nice to shake my hand. Charlie O'Hara, just total asshole. Just wouldn't shake my hand. Dude, give me a fist bump. Yeah. You know, just, but don't be an asshole. And he was, and he was a total asshole. We gave him free lunch. He was like talking. I'm like, these are wrestlers. We, we should give them free lunch. Yeah, well, what, do, what do you do after a contract signing? Do you not shake hands after that? That just doesn't make... Like, I, I suppose if someone's like, oh, I'm a germaphobe. But yeah, you're a wrestler. Yeah, you, you know, know, it's just bullshit. Yeah. You know, but you know what? He wasn't even a heel at the time because he had Piper with him. So yeah. he was a face. So you know what? Rest in peace, uh, Charlie Haas. But as far as Sean O'Sair, I fucking... I don't give a fuck, you yeah. know? It's a big thing. You know, you, you do something. You chose this profession. You know, this is what you're doing. Part of it is meeting your fans yeah. and being nice to them. Don't be a dick. Yeah. And that goes to any of the wrestlers out there. Unless you're heel, then you're allowed to be a dick. I get it. You know, you still want to. But I mean, there's classic thing with the, I guess the, the Dudleys at one point uh, said to Vince was just like, no, Vince, we're classic heels. This is who we are. We know we don't shake. We don't give autographs to our fans. We don't do this. Yeah. And then, uh, and Vince sort of, this is when they first started coming into from uh, ECW. And then Vince leans into them and was just like, Listen, you're gonna you're gonna shake hands. You're gonna <laughs> and basically just telling them, no, you're gonna be nice to your fans yeah. from now on. I know you want to play heel, but they broke kayfabe and oh, crazy. They, um, yeah. Where can we find you, Dave? Online? What's going on? What do you have coming up? Uh, I have a website that, of course, is the big cliche for every comic. Uh, I got a website that needs work uh, uh, at uh, DaveMartinWorld.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at comedian Dave Martin. Uh, Dave Martin at Dave Martin World on Twitter, and then the Facebook uh, fan page is uh, Dave Martin is dealing with it. Or you can just find me at the Dave Martin on Facebook too. And you can find your uh, your podcast on iTunes. Yeah, uh, No Wrong Answers is on iTunes, and you can still catch uh, ep- old ancient episodes of both the Guilty Pleasures podcast and the Anything Goes that I used to do with Darren yeah. Frost. Those are all still available on iTunes. Yeah, you. Uh, Google, whenever I Google my name, I always see the uh, the XM, the Anything Goes. That'll pop up. Uh, pops up, which is uh, got my story with uh, me grabbing Hugh Dillon and shaking him down. Uh, Darren had me tell that story. Yeah, and then you, I think you tell a Van Halen story, too. I that. tell a Van Halen story. Yeah, I might tell Denny Poffin's story, too. But um, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of my heroes, and uh, very few have been dickheads. Sean O'Hare, 
fuck you. <laughs> um, hey, folks, that has been another uh, episode uh, issue uh, of uh, Talking Wrestling. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me put a headlock on your ears. Uh, you can catch us at TNW Pod on the Twitter, uh, Talking Wrestling podcast on instagram talking wrestling at gmail.com pretty soon we'll have a facebook page up uh, for you to like and whatever and whatnot and uh, that is pretty much it thank you for joining us i am comedian casey corbin thanks for uh, joining us on never sleeps network you guys have a great day and we'll uh, we'll see you next week bye now never sleeps network This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.